0: to mm-hmm. A bit of a programming note. I know I haven't recorded anything in the last little while. It took a bit of a break, and over the summer, you'll kind of see me here and there. Kyle will join me for a two novies talk at some point, but the summer will be a little quiet. But I'm really excited for this next guest. Sanandini so Verma is joining us. I She was made aware to me by one of my previous guests, Didi Adua, who started a social media enterprise in, in Girl Table, which was a really exciting conversation. And she's like, Rupesh, you have to talk to Sunandini. She's just this amazing entrepreneur. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So we have Sunandini Verma joining us. Thank you so much for joining us, Sunandini. Today on, on a weekend, I mean, I always happen to record on a weekend, but it. I feel like it's an inconvenient time, and especially for someone who's running like what 30 businesses or something that, you know you're going to talk to me about all that but thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate it today. thank
1: you so much for having me and uh, I truly appreciate the kind words I mean I'm not sure I'm worthy of all of that but I'm excited to chat with you and get to know each other and share some of my story
0: yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to hear about your journey and how you got started and just like your mindset and your approach and like how you approach leadership, and I just want to get into into all of that. Um, was was entrepreneurship something that was just uh, was it part of your family? Like, did you did were your family members business uh, in in the business world, or is this something? Are you on your own kind of separate journey from what your family was was involved in?
1: I mean, I think definitely it's been my family's influence, um, but the one thing I knew for sure, even when I was like probably three or four years old that I had that entrepreneurial bug. Um, I would like sell anything that I possibly could even in like preschool and in like grade two, I came up with my first business when I was literally seven years old. Um, so I think I've naturally had it, but also because of my environment, my parents are both business owners and it's really all Mm -hmm. I've ever known. Um, I'm an only child. So the only discussions we ever had around the dinner table were about the business and, you know, how to make right. it grow. So I would like start coming up with strategies and be like, Mom, we should do this. Dad, we should do this. And I, it really just kept me creative and excited um, throughout my childhood and into my teens. And um, I did try to work. I did try to do the whole corporate thing for a little bit, but like just that sort of (laughs) nine to
0: five sort of regular job. Yeah.
1: You know, I wanted, uh, I guess stability. And I think when you like graduate university, you're so confused, you're so young, you're so confused. You're like, who am I? What can I really do? What are my limitations? Um, you've also been molded into feeling that you are limited and you have to do something in accordance to your skill set that you've studied or what you've been kind of forced into. So, um, I was very confused, like I didn't know where to go, what to do. So I actually um, I studied broadcasting. So I worked Mm. in TV and journalism for a little bit. I did that whole journey. Um, I did. That
0: would have been was that like a scary environment in itself?
1: Oh man, yes. um, So this was I guess first I did communications, then I transferred and started doing journalism, broadcasting, Mm. and. Just like being in that field at that time, I think it was 2011-12, it was very different. Um, Basically, you know, the whole Me Too movement was very, very prominent, and Mm. I've been talking about it since then. I would have these conversations with my friends, and they'd be like, no way, seriously? But it was everywhere, everywhere that you went, it was kind of this, um, I'll do this for you if you do this, and it was not a pleasant experience, but... Again, I think I've been raised very strong to know who I am and my boundaries and my actual worth. So I never felt that I, I would give in to any of those offers, quite transparently. Yeah. Um, but also for me, I think my heart wasn't in it. There was something about the limitations that come with being a Canadian broadcaster and the limitations that the CRTC does put into place. And, you know, we didn't, we weren't doing cool things like podcasts and mm. YouTube, etc. At that time, it just wasn't right. as prominent. So I felt very limited in the way that I could speak. I felt very limited in um, the stories that I could talk about, the passions that I could share. And my whole reasoning for getting into broadcasting was to talk about things that just weren't justified. So, <clears throat>
0: What do you mean by that?
1: Um, I mean, there's a lot of things in specifically Canada, but also globally that we don't talk about, that literally the law doesn't allow us to even have access to this certain information um, because of the rules in the CRTC. For example, you know, the state of um, some of our correctional facilities or the state of... um, poverty, the state of drug abuse, the state of suicide, the state of mental health. There's a lot of limitations as to what we can and can't talk about. um, Interesting. In traditional news channels. Yeah. So it was very frustrating for me. Uh, I would like always come up with these stories and take them to my producers or take them to different stations. And I was like, yeah, that's great. But um, we're not really allowed or, you know, I I was very lucky that I had amazing professors throughout my journey that knew Mm -hmm. that like I was like, an advocate for all these things that I want to talk about and they're like great but um and again I just felt very lost in that space I didn't feel aligned with it so I felt that it was not for me um and I had to follow my heart and I was like okay in this moment what I need is stability so I decided to sort of go the corporate route um yeah. And because I did communications and journalism, I had a very strong marketing background. So I started working um, for a few corporations. Um, All interesting experiences, all growing experiences. The first two were great. I learned a lot. Um, The third one was really pivotal for me. And I won't say the name because I didn't have the best experience and I don't feel like (laughs) being sued. Yeah. But the last one, it was very, very pivotal. I was only there about a year, um, but it was a tech company, a very prominent Fortune 500. Mm. And essentially, my role there was to market one of their products into other corporations and channel partners. And I learned so much through that journey, not just about marketing and the way to really get users um on board on softwares but about the actual software mm. and about the logic that goes into it and how that works and I would always think about logic that either the client wouldn't think about or even the dev team wouldn't think about. So I was like, hey maybe this is my skill set. Maybe this is something that I'm good at. I'm very like I can create a really good organizational flows. I can sell anything to anybody. Like it's my only skill set that I take pride in. <laughs> Um, It started
0: at the age of three and four, right?
1: Yeah, like I can literally turn anything into a business. And so I was like, okay, maybe this is something for me. I was very unhappy doing that nine to five grind um, Mm -hmm. because I felt I had to dim my light to fit into the environment. I felt unheard. I felt stagnant. I felt, okay, no matter how at the top of this company I try to go in maybe 30 years, my salary cap would be. A certain amount, and mm-hmm. the life that I visualized for myself would not align with this journey. So, you know, I left. <laughs> um, that would and... have been so.
0: Can I ask? That would have been yeah. hard because I mean, um, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I like I. That's those are the those are those moments where I'm like, how do people make that shift? Right? Like, it's mm-hmm. uh, a Fortune five hundred company. You have this stability. Um, Mm -hmm. all these sort of things. You're saying it's dimming your light, which is an interesting way of putting it. And, Mm -hmm. and, and there was enough triggers in there for you to be like, I'm going to do something
1: else here. Yeah. I, I'm also a very spiritual person and I'm very in tune with my intuition and my calling and call it my higher self, my universe, whatever it is. And I felt that in order for me to not be my authentic self, I'm doing myself a disservice, mm. and I was not my authentic self every day. I woke up, I was miserable. I got on that, you know, train to the to work, and yeah. I just was not authentic to my highest self. Yeah. And if I have such deep faith and trust in who I am, and you know my Universe. then I had to really just flow. Yeah. The other thing is, honestly, it kind of happened very naturally. Like, I think my boss at the time knew I was very disengaged and disconnected. Mm. And I was like, I really like, I don't want to be here. Um, he wasn't the nicest person also. Mm. So it was very um, political. It was very... You know, the things that happen around the water cooler, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it's just not for me. So, for me, while it was difficult, it was also very easy because I knew that I did something that was right for me, to my authentic self. Um, I could expand myself. I could, it was honestly really exciting because in that gray zone of the unknown, it's also, you're kind of limitless. Like things could go anywhere,
0: right? Yeah.
1: And, um, I was obviously scared. I'm like, what did I just do? And I was like, okay, like what now? But it, but there was so much excitement and momentum around that. Like, look, I'm gonna like do my own thing. And very quickly, I think in about a week, I had a website up and running. I picked the name like that night. Amazing. I was like, I was like, let me draw some logos. Like I was just like, no, I'm ready. And I think when you're ready, you don't have any other choice except to express your truth. And my truth in that moment, because I was up to here, like I was like, I'm going to explode. My truth in that moment was I needed freedom from that situation. And the thing that brought me, excuse me, the most freedom was doing something for myself. So initially I started out just consulting. Like it was like, I will consult tech companies or companies in general, how to go to market, how to launch their products Cause that's what I know how to do since I was a kid, very naturally.
0: And so you relied, but so in <clears throat> order to market yourself as a consultant to start with though, you like, mm-hmm. you have this, you have this history of being able to do that, but I would imagine you probably didn't have anything tangible to show people. Right.
1: Yes. So, um, I was very smart about it again, naturally it just kind of happened to me. Um, so the first thing was I've never done any marketing till this day, never had a sales team, never done anything. Everything that has occurred thus far has been word of mouth, hmm. and the 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 strength of the connections that I have. So my very first client that I had for consulting, um, it was a clothing brand, and you know I was just starting out. It was like a forty-five thousand dollar account, which was amazing yeah. you know I'm like 25 years old I'm like okay sick yeah. like this yeah. will take me at least a few years I mean few months into stability whatever and um, they were recommended to me through a friend who was like I'm so proud of you for like a, not even a friend more like an acquaintance at the gym that I used to go mm-hmm. to and they were like I'm so proud of you for starting this like hey somebody might need this and it just worked out and you know because I'm very confident in my skill set, I think it was a no-brainer for them. And when you speak with passion, people feel that. Mm. It's not salesy. It's my truth. If I try to like pitch you something, and I, and I always tell people this, I'm like, sales is not about how you shake someone's hand or your gestures or your spine. It's about your authentic self mm. and you actually believing and knowing what you're talking about. So that was very cool that instantly I kind of had that. But then... The other thing that very naturally happened was, as a part of consulting, people started to have requirements to do websites or to do the technical components of, okay, great, I have this product, this is how I go to market, but then there's this whole development piece missing. Hmm. So I was like, hmm, nobody's doing this. People are either marketing agencies or they're development agencies. They're not doing both. So What does it mean
0: to be a development <clears throat> agency? Like, What kind of work is that?
1: Um, like app development, web development, okay. software development, okay. all that. And because I understood the logic of software development so strongly, so my starting point was very easily apps and custom software. Mm. Um, and then obviously websites come as a part of that. If we're branding, we need to fix your website. If we're doing marketing, we need to do you know, a, a whole user flow. We need to do these things to actually have higher conversion. Sure. So I was like, hmm. I need to now have that Um, and then because I kept in touch with a lot of the developers at my previous role a lot of them did freelancing on the side so I was like hey you know I might have a one-off project for somebody like how do we can we work together like whatever and everybody was like hell yeah we're down who who doesn't want to make a extra you know five thousand dollars for whatever um, then the cool part about all of that was because they became contractors for me, I was allowed to use their portfolios
0: mm.
1: in the beginning. So I had nothing right. Like I've never yeah. done a website. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So as I onboarded, like I think it was like four, four or five freelancers at the time, um, they all had, you know, five or six portfolio things under them that they could share and they're like go ahead because the work is going to them
0: Sure, yeah.
1: so initially i'm telling my secrets right now <laughs> initially that's what we did because i was like i i need something and the skill set was their skill set so i'm not like pretending it's mine it was these are the developers and this is the work that they've done and that really allowed me to build the momentum till now where we have our own portfolio of over 120 websites we've done over I don't know something like 50 apps, um, you know the odd blockchain project, some augmented reality, some IoT stuff. So uh, eventually, those things snowballed into my own solid portfolio where I don't need to use my developers anymore.
0: It's it's amazing. Like I was reading, I was reading on your, your company, Amram Amra Media and Mm -hmm. just, yeah, all those things that you just said that you did. And I'm like, how did she know to do all these things? Like, how does she? And so it's, it's the amazing part of this is that you're leveraging these connections, these resources, you have this internal, obviously, there's this internal drive, but like, there's a sense of resourcefulness that I'm seeing Mm -hmm. in you, right? And, and that's, you know, that enabled so much to happen. Um, The other thing you spoke to was showing up really authentically. And like, that's, such an important thing from like an, from, for being influential for, for marketing, all that sort of thing. I don't know if you've read, um, Arlene Dickinson's book, Dickinson Dickinson's book, uh, persuasion, yeah, no. but she, she no. talks, do you know who that is? Yes, yeah, yeah, of course. Yes, yeah. yeah. And yeah, she, she yeah. talks about the, the number one thing for her is authenticity. And she mm-hmm. says when people come to her and, and pitch their products or when she goes out and pitches on behalf of other companies, she says that's the first Mm -hmm. the most important thing is to be authentic like would you say for yourself that it was it was something that was always within you to show up in a a really truthful way to people or was that something you're like I need to do this in order to be influential and it's like I need to find myself and be authentic like was that what what would how would you say that showed up for you yeah
1: that's such a great question because the one thing about being authentic is you also have to accept that not everybody will like you. And that was a tough journey for me because there's a part of me that's a people pleaser. um, As I think a lot of us have have in us. Yeah. To a certain degree. But then, you know, I really also had this side, even growing up, that was very like, I don't care. I am who I am. I'm doing what I'm doing. But then you're constantly swaying between this version of you that makes everybody else happy and maybe not you or you're focused on yourself and then people perceive you however and I think the more empowered higher self version of me is definitely just authentic to myself and I don't I honestly don't care what people think Um, and that takes work it takes a lot of persistence in knowing what's right for you it takes a lot of practice it takes a lot of grounding and honestly like i'm kind of a loner which is a lot of people don't think that like i have friends i go out but then it's very important for me to disconnect and be by myself and practice what's um energetically right for me and fills me up yeah um i think authenticity is constantly changing as well um i think as i get older and i evolve what's authentic to me also changes. Like who I am as a daughter has evolved over the years, yeah. who I am as a friend, who I am as a leader has evolved over the years. So that authentic self constantly keeps changing.
0: Yeah. You said that yeah. you um, you don't really care what people think. Now I, I wonder about just the work that you do, right? In terms of mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. on the marketing side, right? Yeah. I would imagine as part of the business that you have to, you probably do have to care about what people think. And I could be wrong. I don't know anything about the business, but I would imagine understanding, you know, the customer base, the the clientele, mm-hmm. the, the trends, all those sort of things. It's what society is thinking about whatever you're working on, right? How do you, mm-hmm. how do you, mm-hmm. am I wrong about that? Or?
1: For me, uh, the business and observation mm-hmm. of people is a different thing okay. than, Me in my body caring about validation Mm. or caring about approval or caring about, um, you know, how I come off is a very different thing. Um, I think it's extremely important to be a powerful observer of market trends, but also people and their behavior and how they're essentially mirroring parts of you. I really do believe that. I believe if I show up being an asshole, people are going to be an asshole to me. Um, If I show up in a certain manner, people will show up in the same manner to me. But I think it's very important to observe on the logical side and the analytical side. Okay, these are the market's trends. these These are the demographics. These are some KPIs that matter to us. And then really for me, it's how to acquire that user and how to build a technology around it that helps sustain that user or vice versa. Sometimes it's the tech comes first yes. and then the marketing 90% of the time. It's the tech that we build first. And then we work on the user accusi- acquisition side after. So I've already got such a deep dive into the product on my analytical mind mm. self side, but that mind and analytical side has really nothing to do with me synonymity as an identity. So the validation of your product doing certain numbers doesn't define for me um, who I am and my authentic self. It doesn't. It doesn't sway me right or left. It just. It might be an opportunity for me to learn if I'm observing something that's not lining up with that. But as far as the actual emotional feeling side of validation, I don't. I don't correlate that to my work, to be honest. Do
0: your values carry over into your business?
1: I think they have to, just to a certain degree. Um, But I'm also very compartmentalized as a person. I think every pillar of your life is a pillar that is separate. And if one is not thriving, then you pay more attention to the others until the other one kind of picks up. And you are who you are, but you also have to be a chameleon to some degree to adapt into different environments and adapt into different versions of yourselves and all the roles that we play as people and really be able to disconnect from things that don't really intertwine. Mm. For example, like I see a lot of people that are business owners that will be having a bad, let's say, month, but then they'll take it out on their health. Mm. Like, oh man, I'm going through a rough time. I'm not going to go work out. Personally, I don't understand that. I've never understood that. It's just like not who I am. So to me, it's like, okay, this isn't thriving right now. Where can I refocus? You know what? Let me hit the gym twice a day. I will go extra hard to just, you know, balance myself. So I think, of course, my values, like my core being is who I am. But you also have to adapt to changes constantly, especially as an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to go back uh, just to your comms uh, your communications experience, and you said, I don't know, is it, is, is, am I the only person who doesn't know this, that in, with the CRTC rules, and that we can't talk about, like, tell me more about that, because I'm, like, I'm honestly, like, really, if you can, anyways, I'm, like, really surprised uh, that, like, there's certain things that the media is limited by, <laughs> in terms of what they can explore, or can't explore, is that what you're saying?
1: Absolutely, yes. Okay. Um, so how do i say this (laughs) um i think certain countries have media stations that are not affiliated directly to the government and government stories Mm -hmm. um canada is not one of those countries um not in not in the worst way because i do think the the intent is to protect the people um but with that, there also comes frustration of freedom of speech. And we're not the only country like that, a lot of the world. But so like I'm, I'm Indian, you're Indian yeah. as well, I assume. Patel, yeah. Um, it's a very different story back home. For example, like, sta- like if you actually literally turn on like Indian news, it's people screaming, being like, no, this is my opinion. This is what happened. Here's the documentation. And I love that. I'm so passionate mm-hmm. about that. I love that there's that very open conversation. And... The, the the resistance that you'll get won't be from your own station. Mm. It'll be maybe from the people. Maybe they'll be like, oh, you know, I don't like that you said this or you might have a whole other trickle-down effect of freedom of speech. However, there is that freedom of speech. Um, we don't operate like that okay. here. And one of the things that I know um, is a concern for A lot of people is that limitation as far as mainstream media goes um but yeah i'll send you some links and stuff after this is
0: going to be an episode i gotta dig into this this is honestly this is fascinating because uh to think that we i mean i figured there you know every media organization has a bent and there's things that they want to cover and don't cover but to think that there are limitations from a central organization on what the media can explore I don't know if a lot of Canadians know that. Maybe uh, I don't know. Yeah, and yeah, and I think that's an issue, right? <clears throat> like, like how can we not have a free yeah. media? We talk about this, we praise this, <laughs> we praise this in the era of of a Donald Trump presidency, where he accuses the media of being fake, and you know we talk about all these things, and and the and we're saying we need to protect the press, but there's a I don't this is. This is blowing my mind right yeah. now. We
1: will we will talk about this okay. offline right. because I just don't feel like, you know, getting That's sued. all good.
0: All good. And I, I don't want to put you in that position, but you definitely <laughs> you, yeah, triggered yeah. something. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have many things I will send you after. And, uh, you know, politics is something I don't love to discuss because my views are not everyone's favorite. Because I think there's an expectation that as a woman, as a colored woman, I should think mm-hmm. a certain way, vote a certain party, and I don't align with a lot of that. So, um, I just try to be quiet.
0: All right. Well, my next piece was <laughs> but... was uh, like what kind of interest? <laughs> how well, do you no, vote? I would never, I would never ask that. But just I'm joking, more, I'm just joking, I'm more about um, <laughs> the influence of, of of politics and and how you how it shaped like your view on business and and your approach to business or or does it not and do not really follow politics and and care about that sphere because it's i feel like we're in a Um. like i mean we always say this we're in a crazy time but right now it does Mm -hmm. particularly feel like there's some major world things happening that everyone is is kind of a part of and it's influence really splitting you know folks across different Mm -hmm. party lines, and so many things are going on that it just feels different. Uh, Like everyone I talk to says, it feels different. So I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you know, it's been basic rule to divide and conquer, and that's how everyone's always Mm -hmm. done it. So it's just history is repeating itself. And I think now people are smarter. We're a little bit more empowered. We have a lot more access to information. Um, I think people think very differently now as opposed to, you know, XYZ equals this, so we must believe this. Now we're like XYZ question mark, let me make up my own, you know, like um for me personally I I am kind of a selfish person in the sense that I'm not very driven by global Mm. affairs. It's not something that I am deeply connected to. Um I'm not like a protester, I'm not I care more about the immediate effect to the people that I care about, my close circle. Um, and honestly, putting food on my sure. table, that's my my yeah. priority, right? And and I think there's a lot of people that operate from a sense of community and a global uh, alignment. That's mm-hmm. just not who I am. I care about the, ca- the causes that I care about, but outside of that, I'm not really um, well-versed in things that don't really affect me personally. I know it sounds super selfish, but also I have to, as a human being, it's important to sustain our energy and try to, again, be authentic. I'm not going to pretend that I care about what's happening in whatever corner of the world. If it doesn't bring an emotion out in me, I'm not going to pretend that it does. I also don't feel the need to speak on everything. Like I see a lot of people these days that have a percentile of the knowledge that they should on a cause constantly sharing on mm-hmm. social media that this is right, this is wrong. Go re- like, I'm like, okay, but it's very frustrating because, again, it's that like analytical mind that I have that <laughs> I actually will like read bills, I will like read policies, I will do all that and then make a decision not based on what Rihanna posted right. on Instagram, right. you know? Right, love the girl, yeah. but. Like, that's not how um, I operate. So, yeah, I mean, that's the long answer. The short answer is I don't really yeah, care. Yeah. <laughs> is
0: is yeah. anything happening right now affecting your businesses? So, I mean, for, you know, obviously inflation is the biggest thing that's on everyone's mind and the cost of living. And yeah. is, is any sort of um, global affair issue, I guess, impacting your businesses in any way?
1: Definitely the crypto market being so down is not good for us um, because we really do a lot of work in blockchain and building blockchain technologies, not just crypto related, but also general security, etc. So that has not been the best, but at the same time, there's this whole audience of people that's like, wow, this is such a good opportunity to actually get into the space and build from here. The other thing is our recent cyber attack. I mean, uh, power outage at Rogers oh, okay. or network <laughs> outage. <laughs> just kidding. Um, there's a, there's
0: a lot of offline stuff that I think we're gonna be talking about. So unless you're unless you want to talk about I'm it, I'm
1: gonna get in so much trouble on this podcast. No, I just it, it just from like a tech perspective, a lot of the outages don't hmm. make sense to me because I'm not sure how. A server update takes out nationwide service Um, and I'm not sure how the terminals are able to process Visa and MasterCard but not interact because the Mm. internet is down I'm not sure how any of that works but that's fine Um, but I think that that's also an opportunity for a business like mine because we can take that story and explain to people that this is why ownership of your data ownership of your own servers ownership of your own cybersecurity team, your own code, your own software is everything. And I'm all about ownership. The one thing I'm constantly pushing is like, don't advertise on Instagram, advertise in your own platform where you have more Mm. control. Like third parties are Are not not there
0: for you, right?
1: Not. And they're not secure. It's not, that's not the whole, like I look at not to put down any, like for example, Salesforce is one of my favorite, softwares as a CRM it's amazing what they've done you know kudos to them as a company but if i were to go to my client and really what the right thing for them to do if they're like okay these are my two options i have a budget i can build my own or can i do salesforce i'm gonna say build your own because at the end of the day you're still storing data and information on third parties like yeah. their server there they have access to your flow um, Whereas if you have ownership of your own experience, your user experience, your own clients, your own data, like it's just from a security standpoint, it's very empowering. And that's really the shift for me that is going to be my focus over the next year to get my clients new and existing to make that transition into independent ownership of their softwares and uh, the things that they want to do. The other thing um, in the current market space that's affecting us is the transition of NFTs, obviously it was a bubble. I sure, knew that yeah. from the start, but the usability case part is very interesting and fun for us to dabble in because there are NFTs that have usability and there is a metric to that that makes sense. And it's a unique experience that globally now people can tap into rather than uh, you know, pre-NFT era or pre-metaverse era or augmented reality era, you couldn't have certain experiences. So those are really the, the transition points for us when, right now. Um,
0: so yeah. I guess I'm, I'm trying to understand. So you said uh, taking ownership, I think is, is really important for your clients. Would that mean, explain, I guess, the interaction with that in the blockchain. So I'm assuming it's mm-hmm. getting folks' platforms on the block, blockchain. This is still a gap mm-hmm. in my knowledge, mm-hmm. so so you'll have to maybe walk mm-hmm. me and, mm-hmm. and our listeners yeah. through that a bit. Um, so that's one question. And the second question is, I guess, with the crypto market being down so much, I, I remember listening to somebody who, you know, I guess, is an expert in this field, and was saying that the focus on all these different coins or whatever is a bit no, is, is a little bit, uh, is a bit of noise, right? On what really the the mm-hmm. the actual value proposition is of a blockchain right it's like the people who are actually truly investing Mm -hmm. in these blockchain networks like they understand the value of this people investing in all these altcoins or whatever from an investment standpoint like that's kind of creating a bunch of noise i wonder if the downturn in the crypto market is actually an opportunity for for the people who truly want to add value in that space to really refocus things so kind of a a bit of a two-part question there
1: Oh. Um, as far as the ownership component goes, it's not just about the blockchain, but it's also about their own softwares and having their own customer database stored on their own servers rather than a third party, having their own access mm-hmm. to their own payment processing, access to their own bank to bank transfers, access to their own internal ecosystem really is what, what I refer to as ownership, not just blockchain. Um, Blockchain is, of course, the most secure way, because once something's on the blockchain, it is not able to be altered. Um, A good good example of that is a document sharing tool that we're actually working on right now, um, internally, and it's going to be something that we sell to companies. Um, Just sharing documents on the blockchain so that if there's a signature on it, you can not go in and take a screenshot and change it later. Um, I can't copy someone else's signature. I can't, um, you know, just give access to any Joe Schmo. I can't download the documents. Things like that that have boundaries around the document are very important. Um, yeah. So that's one of the many use cases of blockchain that allows people to have ownership. Me as mm-hmm. are there,
0: are, are there certain networks that you like are favoring now more than other networks? Yeah. Like well the blockchain can be built
1: on many networks um but as far as like a currency related network i'm an ethereum fan all day um i love ethereum i love what they've done i love where they're going um i find them to be the most stable and predictable (laughs) which i love i love that you can study ethereum and you kind of get the gist of it um with that said, I don't know. I'm excited to see what else happens. Like, it, to your point earlier, it is definitely a really good opportunity right now for businesses and people who are into the space to really understand how to integrate blockchain into their business and then potentially provide themselves with some sort of financial freedom through a coin. Um, it really scares me when everything, like all our money sits in our, you know, government run banks. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it does scare me when there's potential threats. Mm-hmm. And Then what happens? How do I have ownership of my money? What I love about something like um, Ethereum or, you know, even Bitcoin, etc. crypto is if I have a lot of money in that, I can put it on my hard wallet. I have access to that. What am I gonna do if yeah. my RBC server shuts down and gets hacked? Like what? Like what do I do? <laughs> right? Sure. Like if yeah. all our money's yeah. gone, what are they gonna do? How is the like? How, like those kind of things really freak me out these days. So just anything third party is not fun.
0: Now, is it that so in terms of an actual currency that? folks can use as a way for making transactions and paying for things is is owning bitcoin very different than like owning like an ethereum coin or an avalanche coin or something where like it seems like that coin like for ethereum or avalanche or solana or whatever those are actually used for transactions on their networks right where Like Bitcoin Mm -hmm. seems like an actual Mm -hmm. like monetary currency or are they are Um, they all the kind of same? I
1: think it just depends on what the companies decide to do. What Bitcoin's done brilliantly is actually have it placed everywhere. Right. So you can use it a little bit more. That's just the freedom that they have right now. But every country is different. In some other countries, it's a totally different story. So it really just depends on mm. how they're going to set up their usability cases. We're still, as as old as it is, it's still brand new. So I think there's a lot that has to be put into place. There's so many rules and regulations that we have to work around. For example, the states and each state has a different set of rules. And everybody has to go through a whole different uh, legislation to even get to create your own coin or Uh, The SEC, for example, Canada has totally different rules. We have much more freedom with that right now. But I'm not sure what will happen in the future. It's a very interesting time. And I think the thing that keeps me up at night is really how will money change? And what's the right thing to do right now? Because we're going to have regulations in crypto then. So then how does that, you know? Um, The other thing I worry about is like, we're not going to have food and X amount of time, I do think about that often. I'm like, everybody's worried about gas. Like, w- there's already a shortage of food, and the absolutely the flow of that is really scary. So, vertical farming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I, I'm we obsessed. did a whole
0: episode on vertical farming. It's 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 so interesting, and even cell agriculture for me, I find is um, a fascinating space. Yeah. If If that takes off, like, I'm probably not going to be eating. like for me like I transitioned to I was a vegetarian for about 32 years and then um, that was all ethical for me and and, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean cultural as part of that too but um, but then I decided Mm. to start eating meat because I was my vegetarian Mm. proteins I couldn't digest a lot of them and so so I introduced meat but if I don't have Mm -hmm. to I don't really want to because for me it's there's an ethical component like I try to we try to buy from a local farm and be organic and you know certified mm-hmm. humane and do all those things that we think are right um but if cell so, so agriculture if that's an opportunity I, there i'm gonna write I this down and check it out so. later
1: um or send me the link on it yeah. yeah we
0: did a we did a cool conversation with this um with this uh person out of uh, the university of the fraser valley her okay. name is dr lenore okay. newman and she's all into this this is what she focuses on and it was, it was just a really, really neat conversation. But yeah, food prices are, I mean, we're, oh, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in Edmonton and, and things are just getting, the more north you go in Canada, the more expensive things get, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, those are, those are interesting challenges. I was going to ask you I'll something check. more on <laughs> the, on the crypto space, but I, 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 I forget. Um, I, I want to ask you, so Amreb Media is one of your, <laughs> would you say your primary businesses or um, how do you, and what are your other ones and how do you, ju- how do you find, time um, yeah.
1: So Amrev is the agency and you know, that is definitely my number one priority. Um, yeah. we have clients under that. We develop their projects. We do user acquisition, all that fun stuff. Um, so it keeps me on my toes because every project is so different. Every journey is so different. Every person that you work with is so different. So just constantly learning and evolving. And really, I mean, it's been such a fun ride. Um, it I'm so grateful because I've learned so much and I continue to learn so much every day. You're wearing so many different hats. Um, sometimes I'm the salesperson. Sometimes I'm the project manager. Sometimes I'm, you know, I uh, and you have yeah. to know everything about every project in depth. So
0: that's what I was going to ask you is that like as the, as the, the head of that company, how involved do you get in all your More projects? than
1: I should be, probably, but um, I prefer okay. to stay involved rather than disconnected because it keeps me excited, and it keeps me passionate, and it keeps mm. me going. Um, also, I think a lot of the clients that I do have are because of me and not because of a skill set. So I want to make sure that that connection stays with them going forth. Um, sure. I just like to learn wherever I can, and I find it very exciting when we see a project that seems a little bit challenging. And I'm like, okay, how, what about this? Like, I love to like do research on those type of things. So, I like to stay as involved as possible. Then, outside of that, um, we have a meditation app uh, that my father and I worked on, and we're really lucky to partner with U uh, Ventures, who's our uh, fund their RVC, okay. and you know that's.
0: And so the, the the meditation app, like, what was the driver for that? Is, is this something? Mm-hmm. Meditation's always been a part of your yeah. Your practice, so or... Ananta,
1: which is the name of the app, plug. <laughs> um, it's a very unique concept because essentially, um, when when you're born, there's a certain energy and frequency that the earth vibrates at. And there's a mantra associated with that. And our app is really focused on the uniqueness of each journey and each mantra. So, for example, if I want to tap into creating more abundance into my life, um, whether it's through abundance of love or abundance of wealth, etc., there's a very specific mantra and sound associated to that that I have in my body as a vibration based on when and where I was born. So in order for you to call something into your life, you have to be a vibrational match to it, period. So the app really is not just about meditation, but it's about manifesting through meditation. You're never really creating something. You are tapping into a version of something that already exists because to your point, I'm I'm a very resourceful person and I'm just tapping into resources all the time that already exist. And we all Mm -hmm. have that in us. So the app is very centered around how to shift yourself vibrationally to align with that version of you that calls in certain experiences into your third dimensional reality. Um, I'm very passionate about it. We spent, I don't even know how many years, five or six years to um, get it up and running and like get the perfect algorithm, get the perfect output. Because how do you do that? We had to test it on hundreds of people. Um, and you know, here we are with, uh, I think we just hit about 65,000 downloads. Yeah. It's really cool. It's really fun. Um, that's my, it, it ticks every box for me. Um, really I owe it to my dad because my dad is a spiritual teacher. He teaches thought transformation. He's a Vedic astrologer as well. And he really came up with this concept of how to Uh, merge astrology into a way to be limitless and not limited. And I think the issue is specifically with the Indian community, we're so like fear driven. We're raised to be like, oh, this is a bad time for you. You got to do this. It's never that. Um, The thing I love about astrology is how to utilize it to be limitless and to optimize each chapter of your life because your soul made that journey when it took birth. So you were born the moment that you were, because yeah. it was that was also your soul's decision, and you must live out the the parts that you must in the best optimal way that you can as a human being, as a as consciousness, right? So, um, I owe that part of that uh, understanding to my dad, and I was like, hey, we should make an app out of this. Obviously, it's just you know, I'm in tech. I got to do it. I was like, hey, this makes sense. Look at the numbers, Dad. Look at the financials of some of our competitors. (laughs) So it just kind of naturally aligned. And um, that's definitely my, you know, I hope that that goes where I know that it will. And that's the type of impact that I care about. What we were speaking about earlier, like I don't care so much about, you know, the politics. I care about like larger impact in terms of shifting people's lives and minds. And empowering consciousness. So, um, yeah, yeah, I got into all all the spiritual stuff very, very young. Um, while of course it was accessible in my home uh, through my parents, I just had my own curiosities. I think the first time I like spoke to my mom about what God really is, I think I was like seven or eight, and I was like, you know. We're just, like, really... Were I, you raised I am, Hindu? Yeah, I am raised Hindu. Yeah, okay. um, I'm not sure how practicing I am in the sense that I don't... I don't do, like, the ritualistic stuff so much. Um, however, there is a strong science to a lot of the rituals, so I prefer that side. I, I'm, I'm blessed to be raised Hindu because... Um, when you actually study Hinduism, it's all about limitlessness, it's about quantum physics, it's quantum jumping, it's literally the mm-hmm. power of your mind. Everything is internal. It's about manifestation. It's about our million gods, which are literally just avatars of one and tapping into, again, sure. different energies. Mm-hmm. Like, So it, it's, I just wish that it was taught to us as kids very differently than the way that it was. But again, um, for me, my curiosities around spirituality were uh, my own and I've read everything under the, under the sun from, you know, Western philosophies around it to Eastern to everything. And you realize, OK, it's all the same. So it must be true. <laughs> it's just written in a hundred <laughs> different ways. Um, and then I guess the other uh, project that we're launching and very, very, very excited to launch is called Shagen um which is self-explanatory to people that know the Indian culture but for those who don't uh, when we go to Indian weddings you have to take an envelope full of cash and write people's name on it or you write them a check so somebody like me like nobody can spell my name I always have to give (laughs) checks back and I'm like you know void hey auntie like you spell my name wrong and then the check's never coming back I'm never getting my money so, this is a digital way to send money to a bride and groom for their occasions throughout their wedding. yeah, oh, that's so
0: smart, so yeah. smart. There's also like the security aspect yeah. of it. like I don't know if you've heard like people yes. take these boxes that like some people steal these big boxes <laughs> of money at weddings, right? Yeah. Like it's I remember our wedding, like my dad was just like somebody have yeah. got to watch that box at all times. Yeah. All times, so you know? most
1: of the banquet halls here, like in the GTA have like security guards or police officers. Now uh, the security yeah. box is such a mission or like someone's mom is sitting there holding like 300 envelopes under her arm <laughs> and can't move and can't live. Right. Like can't enjoy right. her own child's wedding. So yeah, it's a digital way. Um, I have two amazing partners on that project that, you know, they're just brilliant. I'm so lucky to work with them and, we're really excited. We're launching in India um, and here. And-
0: Just start big. Just launch it in India, why don't yeah. you, right? I like- mean,
1: go big or go home, <laughs> right? Um, but the payment processing space is so interesting because the regulations around it are absolutely crazy. Um, but, you know, we've, we've uh, found some ways to make it happen, and I think there's a humanitarian component to Shuggin. That's really exciting for me, which is, again, in India, as you know, in our culture, typically the father pays for the wedding, especially back home. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of communities that can't afford that. So there's a whole crowdfunding element of, um, yeah, like we want the dads to be able to raise money for their daughters and get them married. And that involves the global community. It allows people from all walks of life and corners of the world to be like, I want to donate, you know, a 100 bucks to this villager um so that they don't have to take on a loan and commit suicide after like literally that's the story and it's not an exaggeration which shocks a lot of people they're like is that an expression i'm like no this is their truth like they can't take on debt like that so
0: well and imagine like i I wonder what it could do for those families in india that feel the well, I don't want put it want to put it in quotes because it is it they it's there's a lot of truth to it, but like the burden of having mm-hmm. a daughter, right? Because they feel like you know the financial burden of having to pay for a wedding, you know that still exists, obviously, in India. Like if something like this could help alleviate it because of the crowdfunding, imagine I know. like the possibility. I know. It like,
1: like it like makes me amazing. emotional because the root cause of why um, female eggs are often terminated is because of the financial burden and specifically around the marriage. So, I mean, I'm, if this is the trickle down of what happens, like I'm so humbled and touched that this could be something that we could do. You know, I was um, actually reading about it yesterday because in India, actually, you're not allowed to get a scan that tells the gender of the baby. And that blew my mind. And then I was like,
0: That changed, I think, a few years ago. Well, that
1: makes sense because people terminate. Like I just, uh, yeah. Anyway, we're very excited about that and excited to see where it goes. I think the other part of your question was how do I do the things (laughs) that I do? It's, again, that superpower of uh, being compartmentalized. Yeah. Like when Mm. I'm meditating, I'm meditating. When I'm working out, I'm working out. When I'm doing my work, I'm doing my work and that's it.
0: There, there was something you said, though, earlier about um, other, other business people that you work with where when things aren't going right, the things that they sacrifice are, are, are mm-hmm. their selves, right? Like their own quality of life, mm-hmm. like they stop working out, those sort of things. Like, is there a part of you that recognizes that in order to sort of care for others or do the, do the things that you want to do, you've got to take care yeah, of yourself first? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think you have to be full in yourself, Like, if I'm not, then I'm very, like, irritable. I'm very... And again, to the whole thing about mirroring each other, if I can't mirror the best version of myself, then what is fed back to me is not in alignment with the best version of myself, right? So that's really important to me, and probably to the point where it's, like, kind of annoying. Like, I'll go on vacation with my friends, and I'll be like, okay, see you guys at 1 o'clock because I need to go work out and meditate and do my thing. And then I'll be really fun the rest of the day. (laughs) But that's just what it is. And um, it's very important to operate from that because that's life. Like, it's up and down, right? You can't, like, take it out on yourself. And I think we're given this body, we're given this mind that we are to optimize our experience as much as possible. And what's the point if you're not, like, enjoying yourself or you're not having fun or you're not. able to tap into this version of you that you know is its greatest self like what's the point I don't I don't want a mediocre life (laughs) yeah I love it
0: I love it um how many staff do you have now across all your businesses so
1: still all freelancers for my development agency um for Ananta we have I think we have like four or five developers we have three marketing people. We have a product owner, like 10, 12, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know.
0: Yeah. And what, what would you say is your approach to leadership? And, and was that, uh, yeah, is that, is that something that you thought about when you started these businesses that, hey, I'm actually like leading other people, like mm-hmm. there's a responsibility that goes with
1: um, that? I never really thought about it. I just felt yeah. it was very natural for me. Um, And again, it's that authentic part that I take a lot of pride in because I don't know everything. I think my team leads me more than I lead them because they know everything. They know like every trend, they know every little detail. They keep me alive, they keep me passionate. And really, without them, I'm like I'm nobody, I can't do anything. So while I get to be the fun face in front of everything, the truth is that the leadership really comes from them. And, um, yeah, I don't believe in hierarchy. Um, I think that the word leadership has so many negative connotations sometimes attached to it, where people think that oh, it's like the boss yeah. and like, it's this, like something above anybody. But to me, leadership is more about being in a frequency that allows other people to level up and align with you and vice versa where you're co-creating. You're never, it's not me up here and then people here or vice versa, because then you're never on the Mm. same page. True leadership is about being a strong vibrational match to the goals and the outcome in place. And I think we're all on the same page that we want to push out a good project. We want it to be easy. Our core values are around ease, communication, and just doing a good job so that Things are simple. Let's not complicate it. Let's keep it going. And the thing about tech is like if there's an issue, there's a solution. So like I never panic. I'm like, okay, this is what this is. And then that trickles down into people not panicking. But if I start being like, oh, my God, how will we do that? Like it's going to be that momentum, right? So just being mindful of my own energy and vibration is what allows me, I think, to be a strong so-called leader. But it's really just alignment that's how I look at it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I like the way you framed it. Like, I've never heard someone say it that way, like having that vibrational match to the goals and outcomes that you're all trying to strive for. Does that, um, when you're in those situations of, you know, you said you're involved on all or many of your Mm -hmm. projects, right? And I imagine that there are other like some of your staff, or even the freelancers or such, I was counting the staff, yeah. right? If they're if they're really working on these projects, and you're kind of going into mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. right? Like there's always that challenge or those tension points that sometimes staff can have with their leaders mm-hmm. of like, hey, you're in it too mm-hmm. much, like like, I need you to like back off or like, mm-hmm. how do you balance like okay, I'm, we're all in this for these goals and outcomes, and so. I'm going to come into this as much as you are, Mm -hmm. um, but also balancing that against, like, you know, no one wants to micromanage at the same time. Oh,
1: I do not micromanage. Like, it's actually probably annoying because they have to, like, chase me down and be like, hey, do you want to get on a call? Don't you want an update? I'm like, no, I trust you, (laughs) but I'm also very structured. So, like, if I expect a deadline to be met on a Thursday at noon, then that needs to happen. And then if it doesn't happen, then we're going to have a deeper conversation, which happens sometimes. And we just go over why the challenges are in place, what the delay is, how can we fix it? Communication is everything. I think you have to find a fine line of communication with your staff. Like over-communication is never healthy. It's also, I don't have the energy for it personally. Like I, I can't. <laughs> um but also under communication, then you then you have a gap in like where you're at with things. So I think it's just about that fine line of knowing when to touch base. You have a set time in place. We do daily stand-ups um, at noon or 9 a.m., depending on the team. Yeah. And you just touch base. Yeah. And I think that that's what keeps people excited and in flow. But also, I don't need to know every nitty-gritty detail. Like I don't care if you're doing work at... 3 a.m. or 3 p.m. as long as a deadline is met. I literally don't care. I never have. We've always been work from home, so the transition in COVID was zero for, mm. for us. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was literally like, okay, great. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I don't, I don't like to micromanage. I don't want to. I don't have energy for it. I just want to see the final product, but also I need to know every functionality that's being put into place. I don't need to know how. I'm kind of like that in general life. Like I need to have a goal, but I don't need to know the how of how it's going to get there. So, yeah.
0: When when you started um, supervising and leading staff, was there something, like you said, leadership kind of came to you, felt like it came to you naturally. Were there some gaps that you're like, hey, I probably need to, like, was there any extra training or anything that you felt like you needed to, look into because you maybe felt like there was something missing or like, you know, you say sometimes you have to have these hard conversations, mm-hmm. right? Um, was, was it, yeah. How did you, how did you, cause some people get very skilled at them. Some people, I guess, can be natural at them, but any, any sort of things that you felt like you needed to work on once you kind of got into supervising and leading teams,
1: I take a very spiritual approach to everything. So again, for me, it's inside out and not outside in. I feel mm. if something is not aligning, I need to get real with myself, and work on the en- energy that I am projecting because that speaks more, um, that speaks louder than any words I will ever say. If the person in front of me is in a resistant space, for example, yeah. uh, some of the challenges that I faced were not really around leadership, but more so around the communication styles that people have. Everybody speaks very differently. Okay. Um, I think some people are very dry and I'm kind of like, or um, some people are, they like to exaggerate their own stories. And then I can pick up on things like that. And if I sense like insecurity in people, it like really turns me off. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to separate the fears of a person, their ego, and then their skill set to be able to focus more on their skill set and separate their own internal mush because then that would affect me. Like I would start getting irritated. So something I had to fine tune definitely was becoming, again, more of an observer to the people that I work with rather than an emotional uh, connection. And you can't be emotional in business. You realize that over the years as I solidify myself even more, the more I'm like, okay, no, this is your internal thing shut it down this is what we need to focus on um
0: is that separate from because we hear more and more and i would say for myself i lead in this way um from a place of exhibiting and expressing vulnerability mm-hmm. is that something that you think um shouldn't exist as a business leader or you're saying that's something different from whole, the whole point of like when you say you shouldn't necessarily Show your emotions, or I don't know if that's exactly what you're saying, but um,
1: I don't think it's about emotions, I think it's about getting emotional about it. Um, mm. So, for example, let's say you know someone's expressing they're like overcompensating, but I know that they don't have a certain skill set. So, to me, the skill set is more important than the overcompensation part because if I focus on they're overcompensating and they're like sometimes. I don't want to say lying, but sometimes people do exaggerate the truth, yeah. Um, yeah. then I'm going to get angry. But if I can remove that part of it, then I need to just stay into the, the, the observation part of what that really is and go from there and you make a more clear decision. But I think vulnerability is very important nonetheless. Like To show up vulnerable in the right places at the right time has its own power. Do I think that work is the place for that? Probably not. Um, Mm. While I'm very close to the people I work with, I know the high level of their life. I also like boundaries. And I learned this the hard way because I did become very close to some of my developers in the past. And then it was like, I felt like I was too close where they had no boundaries and then they would lose Mm. respect for things like timelines because, Interesting. you know, because, oh, it's Anthony, so she's my friend now. Right. So right, there, right. there was a there was some sense of um, certain boundaries I don't need to cross, you know, and I have plenty of friends, yeah. so I don't need to <laughs> I don't we don't want to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think vulnerability has its time and place, and I don't think a tech project is it, to be honest.
0: <laughs> yeah. OK. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Um Some of your other businesses, I saw that you, I know we talked about this just before the start, but you had a skin product line, Mahi Care, uh, which was really cool when I was reading about it because it really, I think it was targeted towards South Asian women and some of the ingredients too were, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, spices and (laughs) things like that, that if you're in the South Asian community, you know about obviously, but um, tell me about that business and how it got started. And I know it's not, it's not operating to my understanding Mm -hmm, anymore, mm -hmm. but Um, I'd be curious to hear more about that. Well,
1: Mahi was uh, quite the journey for me. It actually started out as a CBD skincare company. Um, I believe very strongly in CBD and its healing components. And it was such a fantastic product line. Honestly, like I used it all the time. My friends used it, whatever. It was fantastic. Like the issues with having a CBD product, which I didn't know. And I just kind of jumped in. Again, this is who I am. I'm like, oh, I love this. Let's just go, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, sell my house. And what, no, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> kind of an all-in person. So I didn't realize that with CBD, there's a lot of advertising regulations that I would have to work around. So I was not able mm. to advertise on Instagram. I wasn't able to advertise on um Most social media platforms, I wasn't able to get verified. I wasn't able to do, I wasn't able to sell my products in so many marketplaces, even Amazon, which is so such a key Mm -hmm. component because of the simple fact that it had CBD and it didn't even have THC. So it's not like it was like getting people high. It was like the, the plant component, the cannabinoid one and two, which are healing properties externally. Um, anyway, then you know I got rid of that, <laughs> and then we transitioned the line into more of the South Asian brand, so like makeup that goes with South Asian skin. Um, mm. You know, turmeric is our favorite thing ever in life, so turmeric-based soaps and cleansers, etc. Um, and we also have a candle line like under that, which I, I still have the candles. I'm all, I'm gonna be out of the inventory soon, but. The truth.
0: I got. I have to. My. I have to purchase some for my yeah. wife because I think she'll love it. Oh my god! Yeah. I'll.
1: I'll send you some. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I had to really get real with myself in the journey of Mahi. Uh, so recently, we decided we, as an I, <laughs> me and my team of myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just. I, I decided that it's just something that I think I need to part ways with. Um, it was taking, the amount of roadblocks I had in that business made it feel like no longer fun. And I hate to sound like, you know, but kind of felt like maybe it's just not meant to be because I think that the things are supposed to be a little bit easier and my energy towards it was getting very stagnant and I just, wasn't excited about it anymore so I had to get real that, like, this has become something that's just breaking even. It's not making me any money. It's not fulfilling mm-hmm. any of my internal uh, requirements. You know, it's just it just wasn't fulfilling for me anymore. And it's a very difficult space to break into because it is skincare. There's so many liabilities, the insurance, the this, the that. So I was like, you know what, at this point, I'm just not happy and I need to be real with what this journey has been for me, it taught me a lot, it taught me, like, it got me in conversations that I never thought I'd have, um, with major retail, retail buyers at I pitched to Sephora, I did so many cool things with it, um, but they just didn't come to its full, uh, potential, and, you know, I said, all right, bye, I kind of forgot about it until this morning, because even though it's been, like, honestly, it's only been, like, two weeks, I just... When I'm done, I'm done. Oh, is it that reason? Yeah, yeah. When I'm done, I'm okay. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and,
0: and I was gonna ask you like, you, when you're so invested into something, like I feel like it's almost a skill to to know okay when to let go of something. But it's something that you just said though, has been consistent. It seems like with you is that 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 vibrational match isn't there. It's not true to yourself, right? Like you lost that interest. Um, You're not showing showing up authentically to the work anymore, you know. Um, All those things seem to be consistent (laughs) in your path, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that's the best place to operate from. And that's when it, like when a chapter is done, that's when it's easy then. Like it doesn't, you know, I could sit here and cry and be like, oh my God, like I loved this business so much. I did at one point, it did what it did for me. And I don't think any skill set ever goes wasted, so who knows? In the future, I might have my own talk show and like launch my own skincare line when CBD is legal, and then I'll know how I'm to do it. Doubt it.
0: With <laughs> what I'm getting to know about you, I don't doubt it. Who knows? Um, do Do you find your Did you find yourself? Um as you're as you moved into adult life that you went through a journey of like trying to figure out who you are and all these sort of things or did you did you feel like no that was kind of understood that growing up because you know we hear about I think I don't want to say everyone but I think the majority of people right like mm-hmm. you you're present as a kid and then stuff happens as you get into teenage years and then you're at this point where are like oh like the, that all, those 15-20 years growing up were kind of a blur and I don't even know who I am and now you spend all this time trying to search for yourself and all these sort of things. Was that, would you describe yourself as having gone through some sort of similar journey?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's the only thing I've ever cared about. I, sometimes I feel like I took birth to just like stay close to my identity because my number one fear in my life is to lose my identity to something that's outside of myself like it's been so such a prominent theme in my life Mm. um and very transparently for me I tend to do that in in a relationship I'm very like I'm scared to lose that part of me and I have and it was like it, it was a very painful journey to rebuild yourself but then you're more solid in who you are through it. Um, because in my previous relationship, like, I had become that person. And I, I I remember waking up for a good year being like, who am I? Like, what do I even care about anymore? Who are... But it was just, you know, it had become... This person, their life, their family, their friends, they're this, they're that, and all these oh, things. Oh,
0: like you mean you became this person that was focused on their partners yeah. kind of solely, yeah. whereas you were losing your own 100%.
1: self? 100%. And okay. that was so odd for me, and it was very odd for the people in my life to witness because they were like, like I was robotic almost. Like I knew I just mm. wasn't operating from this clarity of self. And that's not on anybody else. That's only on me. And I think that that was a important lesson in my life and an important chapter in my life to really solidify who I really am because I believe so deeply in contrast and experiencing things that just don't sit right force you and catapult you into the things that do feel right. So, you know, one of the things was absolutely... Um, the transition out of that relationship was very difficult, but so important. And it solidified that version of me again. So I think honestly my whole life, like the one thing, my whole prayer since I was very young has been to stay whole in who I am and not affected by the things outside of myself that are variables, whether it's people, you know places your environment your business your money your looks your your own happiness sometimes we're human beings I'm sometimes I'm not happy sometimes I'm crying yeah. sometimes I'm whatever yeah. but in my core my prayer is may I remain so whole and aligned to my god or my universe that I'm not affected by these variables that's it that's the
0: work I I I'm, I'm juggling because I don't like n- not absolutely not at all what you're saying because I think it's incredibly beautiful. And just, just the fact that you have consistently thought this through and remains your prayer. Like it's amazing. Like, I don't think many people think that way. They're focused on, Mm -hmm. they're focused on other things that are tangible and physical and, and that's all, that's all good to each their own. But, um, yeah, just, uh,
1: but, but, but that's how you get the tangible things, right? Like I think where people don't understand, uh, when you look at like very powerful leaders and you look at there's, you know, I have idols that I really like love and admire the Mm. one consistency in all of them. And I studied the shit out of these people is that self, that one, Mm. that knowing of self, that's it. Mm. And you know, when you detach yourself from the tangible, I feel like it just shows up. It must, it's easy then. But the more you like go and chase something and you attract more the lack of it. I really, I've seen evidence of that in my own life. And, you know, sometimes you have good days. Sometimes you're in this chasing energy that doesn't feel good, but sorry, you were going to say something else that I rudely interrupted. No, no, no. (laughs) I'm
0: glad I didn't interrupt that. uh, uh, I love that. Um, I was just going to say, you said that um, with that relationship that was on you Mm -hmm. um, in terms of you not showing up in the way you wanted to show up and, and you not um, maintaining your sense of self and all that. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I mean, without knowing obviously any of the details, I, I think partners have a huge component in that though. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're with somebody who I think is that right person, they will embrace who you are, right? Mm-hmm. They will create that space for you. They will fight to ensure that you're, identities preserved, especially in like the, the South Asian culture, right? There's so much pressure that goes mm-hmm. <laughs> on um, the brides in a relationship, right? Especially mm-hmm. with in-laws and stuff like that, right? And, and so um, it, I think it is up to, you know, partners to create that space and to fight for their partners and to ensure that they can preserve their identities. And I don't see that a lot with a lot of South Asian men. They fold to their parents. They, you know, all these sort of things happen. And so... Um,
1: yeah, uh, it's... Uh, Yeah. I mean, you know what? I'll say this. I think with me, it was almost like an experiment because I've been so grounded in who I am. I kind of wanted to lose myself and I wanted to see what it was like. And I know that on a subconscious level, <laughs> I'm, I'm being very honest, on a subconscious level, yeah. I wanted to experience a type of relationship that is so unconventional for me. Where it's literally the most traditional conventional relationship, and for mm. me it was so different like I wanted to lose myself to it to be like, hmm, who will I be? Does this work for me? Does this lifestyle fit mm. for me? Does that align with who I am? And then like to some degree, I always talk like I always know this on a subconscious level. it sounds so crazy, but I definitely manifested that breakup. I definitely manifested that pain because I wanted the next level of me. I wanted to go through this turmoil. And again, everything is a soul decision. When I took birth, I made these decisions. So going through it was very painful, but I know that there's this part of me that allowed myself to push myself to be like, oh no, I want to lose that version of me and let's play around with this one. And I was like, oh, I don't like it so much. How do I go back to this? So, you know, while, yes, of course, our partners have responsibilities in the things that they do, um, I do feel that I was not projecting the best version of myself because I wasn't myself. And then nothing bad ever happened in that journey. I think we literally parted ways because both of us felt that we were not ourselves. And it's very interesting because I was projecting a version of me that I was like, Wait, who am I? And then my partner's looking at me like, Wait, who are you? And they're like, Wait, but who am I? Because mm-hmm. it's just it just wasn't us anymore. Yeah. So the best thing for us was to go through that. And mm-hmm. for me it was a spiritual journey. For him, I don't know what that journey was. It's been a while. But that's just one example of, you know, a part of my life where I did lose myself. There's so many yeah. other
0: Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. Yeah,
1: of course.
0: Um, I'm just looking at the time and I wonder if we can pivot to the questions that we typically ask our guests. if that's okay with you.
1: Yes. Yes. Let's do it.
0: Um, I have a feeling like uh, with this, with our first question, the five for dinner question, Uh, I imagine these are those people mm. that you study, (laughs) but I, so I'm curious to see who your your five are, but dead or alive, who are five people you'd want to have a meal with and um, I'd be curious if you'd have them together as a group meal or individually.
1: Mm. No, no, one on one first. One on ones, okay. Oh, definitely one on one, like you know, twelve hours with each minimum. I have so many questions. Um, Kobe Bryant is number one. Oh. Uh, my yeah. my absolute. That
0: one still kills me. Me I too. Speak... Oh my god. Me too. Yeah.
1: Me too. Yeah. Literally, I was watching highlights last night. I was like, oh my god, how I it, I just I still can't believe it. I can't, you and book? I. Of course, it's on my yeah. desk, like literally oh, okay. behind me. Okay, yeah. Um, Kobe is, oh my God, I, I, like I can't believe when I say that he's passed, like it still doesn't resonate. No. Um, but to me, he is the absolute definition of greatness and focus. And I love that Phil Jackson introduced meditation into Kobe's life. And my conversations would be very much so around the impact of meditation on his game and, you know, all those things. I, like, I had this dream where I was like, Kobe's going to, like, be on our app one day. And, you know, but anyway, Kobe Bryant, yeah. um, Jay-Z, I think, phenomenal entrepreneur, very mm-hmm. strategic, sharp man, um, invests in the right thing at the right time. Uh, powerful observer, very, very grounded and powerful manifester. Yeah. Kanye, I know, Kanye. I know, I know a lot of Con- people. There's the
0: controversial one, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Maybe,
1: but the way that I see Kanye West is a person who doesn't express and articulate what he's really trying to say the right way. Kanye is a super genius. There's no doubt about it. Mm that man has gotten every single thing that he said he would and then some mm. in his life from his relationships to the amount of money that he's made to him honestly being a fashion icon mm. to a musical genius. The The way that he expresses his emotions, the way that he expresses um, the human ability through music is very powerful. People don't get it, but... You, know, um,
0: you think he's just really misunderstood?
1: I think he's misunderstood because he wants to be. Hmm. I think if he fine-tuned his articulation and really wanted that to be a part of his journey, he would be very clear in how he speaks. But I, I don't think that that's a focus for him. Because somebody like Kanye, he has very strong control on how he shows up and what people see in him. I think he just hasn't decided to do that once he decides. And that's really the difference between him and Jay-Z. Jay-Z is a very well-spoken person because he decided to be. Hmm. Um, and then Osho. Okay. Um, again, a very, I think people, you know, they saw the story on Netflix and think that that's what Osho is. Absolutely not. Osho is a, oh my God, I don't even know where I would begin in that interaction. Um, What a powerful, powerful man. Just everything that I've learned through Osho just blows my mind because I never get it the first time. And then later in life, I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) And then, you know, not to take away from the fact that he was one of the first spiritual leaders to really tell people to be so spiritually aligned that... Material things are just a thing, and he had, right. I don't know, 300 and something Rolls Royces. And I mean, why not live your human experience to that level? He told us to go have the best experience, and I love Osho for that. Um, and then I would say Yogananda. Um, not sure if you've ever read no. Autobiography of a Yogi, no, oh my I haven't. God. That's Yeah, it's a toss-up for me between him and Wayne Dyer. Um, I know two very different people, but Autobiography of a Yogi and Yogananda, just such a powerful book. The energy that it was written in, his experiences, I would love to just hear even 10 minutes of that in in person. Um, But it's definitely a toss-up, so I know I'm saying a sixth one, but Wayne Dyer, uh, same thing. Like, what a just impactful man and he what I love about Wayne Dyer is he took the the Tao Taoist studies uh, the Vedic studies of Hinduism mm. uh, a lot of the Upanishads a lot of references from the Gita a lot of the quantum stuff a lot of the western philosophies a lot of the hermetic philosophies Greek philosophies and combined everything into a way that we could flow with life And I love that he taught flow and not the doership part. So Mm. Wayne Dyer is a very powerful person that has unfortunately passed, but love him.
0: What an amazing five. Um, (laughs) Six. (laughs) Six, sorry. uh, And yeah, like you have them all individually, hey?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, you can't. could never, 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 never mix that. What would I do? I think I'd want to like definitely... Like, just write a book on all of them (laughs) or something. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's a, um, I think it was either after Kobe passed away or maybe it was before, I don't know. But um, I think Jay-Z said this. He's like, sometimes, you know, there'd be a table with all these um, black entrepreneurs and and just powerhouses, right? Mm -hmm. And he said that Kobe just had this presence. Like, when he spoke, like, he just um the room would just get quiet kind of thing and find yeah. those people very fascinating just
1: yeah yeah i think i think people that are whole have a very strong magnetism towards them and you don't see that like back in the day when we were growing up like celebrities kind of had this aura hmm. i don't think they have that anymore cuz everybody's a celeb now sure. but they had this aura and it was like this magnetic like energy field in them and it came from being so whole and mm. so secure in your skill set. And that's why when you hear someone like Kobe speak or someone even like Jay-Z, I listen to every word and yeah. I take it in because there's such a strong presence. You know, yeah. I don't know. People don't have that anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, fascinating. Uh, last question. Besides the circle of life, what do you know for sure?
1: What do I know for sure? Um, I know that everything is a variable to change. And the thing that I know for sure is as, I don't don't want it to sound like a sad thing, but it's like you really are just alone. And I mean that in the sense of you are the only perceiver of like your reality. Mm. If I remove my five senses, then the only truth I have is my inner self. So... And the five senses and its experience is constantly changing and evolving. So your only truth is like really your inner self. That's what I know for sure.
0: I feel, yeah, that's
1: uh, a <laughs> whole nother ballgame. <laughs> yeah,
0: it is a whole nother ballgame. But it, it comes back from like just, yeah, you what you spoke about of just your identity starts from birth. And you're speaking about the soul, right? I think you're speaking about the soul, right? I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I am. Um, I don't want to made that assumption, but I, I feel like it was, I, I think I understood what you're saying. Um, I really loved her conversation. There is, was, there was, uh, you know, your, your, obviously the spiritualness about you came out loud and clear. I didn't know that about you. Um, <laughs> but there is a cerebralness about you that I just, I find very attractive in people that I really love to engage with. And so, and even just the five that you describe or six um, that you describe, um, there is that component of that. And uh, it's just... I feel like I could talk to you an hour 30 already. I said that some of the not so great podcasts and I'll just say this, haven't gone as long. I said, if you make it past this mount, it's probably a good one. And we're at an hour 30. I, I truly enjoyed our conversation. I learned a ton about you, but also from you. And so thank you for that. Um, we'll oh, put all of some on the knees information on our show notes. Um, and uh, I look forward to just engaging with you in the future and maybe record something, Uh, sometime later down the road and hopefully you enjoyed yourself as much as I enjoyed myself so
1: I had a fantastic time thank you so much for having me and thank you for being somebody who pulls out such a deeper story it's really your gift and you know I could sit here and be silent if you weren't narrating the conversation in the way that you did so I really appreciate that and again thank you for bringing that out in me and I'd love to have another conversation
0: oh that's that's very sweet and kind of you thank you All right, everyone. Well, thank you for joining us. And like I said, for the rest of summer, there might not be that many recordings, but we'll be back in full force during September. Have a great time. Thanks, everyone. Bye.